Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Keith Thompson back with us. Uh, he is an author. Is one of his books, Angels and Aliens, UFOs in the Mythic Imagination. He's an independent journalist, explorer of truly exceptional and supernormal mind-body capacities as potential indicators of the future evolution of human nature. The San Francisco Chronicle described Keith's book, Angels and Aliens, UFOs and the Mythic Imagination, as the most fascinating book written on the subject. That's quite an honor. Keith is at work on a new book that uh, I will tell you the working title. It is called Coming Ashore to a Larger Earth. And here he is back on Coast to Coast. Keith, welcome back. Well, my friend, George, it's great to be back. I'm, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you at this stage of, of this new project. And let me say, if you will, I've done a lot of uh, media over the years. Uh, your, your old friend and your late friend and colleague, Larry King, Larry King Live. Yep. I've talked to a lot of people, and it's always been as a journalist about stories that are written about other people. And this is the, really the first time in my life when I use the first-person pronoun, I, not just to talk about the story that I've written that's gotten me on this show or that, but it's finally through a sense of guidance uh, that I'm ready to talk about and, and write about my own near-death experience, which, by the way, I've shared with people in my life discreetly over the years. I've learned that it's important to be... The, the feedback you get sometimes is so hostile and skeptical that you just learn to keep quiet. Uh, the first time I really went public with my, my near-death experience uh, to the world was when I did, last, when I did your show last. That's uh, right. Discussing the UFO phenomenon in June. So I'm back, and that kind of set the reels in motion to really get serious about this book. So what I'm trying to tell you is... Um, I'm now talking about myself. The, the book is not only m about my near-death experience, but it's going to place this important phenomenon, uh, hopefully in a context that can really help people understand a larger sense of reality. Great, because when you were in your 20s, you almost drowned, and uh, we almost lost you. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, you would never have known me. I had gone to Hawaii from California, where I was living, with uh, some friends, we ran the Honolulu Marathon in 1978. So I'll cut to the chase and say that I've seen my 60th birthday and, I've, and a few years since. Feeling great, uh, loving life, uh, loving afterlife, because I think they're both the same place. So that's what I'm going to talk about. But went to Hawaii to, to run a marathon, which I did. The next day, I was feeling heroic. We were all feeling heroic, as, as you do when you finish like climbing a mountain or running a marathon. We went to Sunset Beach of Oahu, where the signs are very clear. Be very, very careful about these waves. In fact, probably not go in. I said, that sounds like what I'm looking for. Oh. And so we played around the edges, and uh, the edges got further out, in my case, and uh, long story short, the combination of big waves coming in from behind toward the beach and something called riptides, which I didn't know anything about, being a kid from Ohio originally. Uh, that's a pretty strong combination. You're being pulled out and you're being smashed from behind. Yep. And long story short, this cycle went on and on. I get, kept getting further pulled out 
By the way, let me tell anybody listening who likes to body surf, when you are being pulled out by riptide, swim parallel to the beach. I didn't know that at the time because the entire area has not necessarily got these. So I was fighting against a force that I couldn't win against. It took me further out. Finally, one wave hit me very hard. I said, I'm in trouble. Uh, Were you scared, could, Keith? I, I was, my, the body-mind complex called Keith was afraid of dying. Yeah. The, the survival instinct was very strong. And so I was totally identified as that. I was Keith. I was that mind-body complex, so to speak. I, that seems a strange way to refer to yourself, but based on what I'm about to tell you, you'll see why I made a distinction between the mind-body complex and who you really find out that you are. Um, I finally said I, I could die. I was a lot of very clear uh, awareness. I got smashed to the bottom. I said, I'm going, I'm going to die. And the next memory I have, George, is of, of rising, and I didn't know where I was rising from. I thought maybe rising to the top of the water, I could continue, but it wasn't that kind of rising. The next thing I saw uh, was a 360-degree, and I mean not because I was turning in a circle. I saw everything that there I was out of my body. Yep. And I'd never had an out-of-body experience, but I knew I was because I looked down and there was a man in the water struggling, and that man was me. I saw my friends on the beach. I felt tranquil, calm, serene. My good friend Mary... George, it was as if I was at least 200 yards out. The body was 200, years out, uh, 200 yards did out. Did the friends realize body. that you were in distress? They all did, yes. They like, did. They've been calling me. They, in fact, Mary told me, uh, she said, Keith, guy, let's all be careful. These signs are serious. And she had run the marathon, too. But I, and I, look, I wasn't looking to, to put my life in danger. I, I'm a pretty good swimmer, but I didn't know about these conditions. Uh, my friends were completely panicked. They were agitated and worried. A couple of people came out on surfboards to try to get me. In each case, the boards slipped away. I was at least to the body. Uh, you know, I'm above. The body is struggling. I'm at, that body is at least 200 yards away from the shore. And I heard Mary say to our friend Moore at about the same level of volume, I'm speaking to you right now. Mary said, I told him not to go out. I told him it was too rough. Why didn't he listen? I saw her, and I, by, by, by seeing her, I was able to be right next to her in consciousness. Right. And I spoke to her. I said, I'm fine. I'm really fine. This is great. She couldn't hear me. She couldn't see me. Next thing I am, I'm back, back in everywhere. Now, I could go, you know, there were other elements, classic elements of the near-death experience. There was a, a rapid panoramic review of my life. There was a sense of everything fitting. I felt never more at peace. There was a, a light and a tunnel, which again are common elements. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is before, uh, 1978, George, was only three years after Raymond Moody wrote his famous book, Life After Life. That's right. Heath Thompson had never heard of the near-death phenomenon. Oprah Winfrey had not made it famous yet. And it took a couple of years after this to really get a sense, oh, there's actually a phenomenon. Which, that's what I went through. I didn't know that at the time. And I sure found out that when I told people when I got back, 
my one friend Moore said, well, buddy, I thought you just about ate it out there. And I looked at him and I said, I did. You, I, you I, did. I, 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 di- I think I, di- I died. And, he, and I could tell from his expression and everybody else's expression that I was coming across as a delirious human being. Over the months that followed, people said, well, did your life pass before your eyes? And I, I would say, oh, my God, finally someone understands. Yes, and I described it, and I could tell from the look in their face, no, Keith, we meant that as a metaphor. You need therapy. You need help. They didn't believe you, did they? No, they didn't believe me. And so I'm, I'm not a pub, publicity hound. I'm not, I did not see myself as anybody who had been saved by the light. I knew, by the way, though, that it, what I had experienced had taken me to, I knew the, re, you know, I didn't doubt that I had seen something larger, that I had seen more of reality as it is, but my de- attempts to describe it to other people caused me to keep it to myself. How did you and, get plucked out of the ocean? Who saved you, basically? Okay, here's what happened. I mean, uh, I could try to, I don't, uh, so here's what happened. I, um, uh, See, I go to a place. I'm not raised as a devout Christian. I should make that clear. wasn't raised as an atheist. We were nominal Episcopalians, which I think is probably a redundancy. We didn't get much theology, uh, no warnings about uh, Satan or the importance of being good. Just be a nice person, be a better person. Uh, I always found the sense of being in church kind of holy and sacred and beautiful, however, and I always liked it. But so with that in mind, I don't come from a strong place of believing in heaven. I went to a place that is very much like what Christians call heaven. I saw beings of light that were beyond description. I saw and interacted with my maternal grandparents, our family babysitter. I saw a host of creatures I'm not entirely certain were human, but did not seem threatening. They seemed like elves and dwarves and so forth. Again, these kind of details did not make for much credibility, but in any case, I had an interaction with a profound sense of presence that seemed to have been with me all of my life. And this presence said, what will you choose? And I realized that the decision was mine, and that the decision was whether or not I was going to stay here mm-hmm. in this infinite place of uns- uns- unspeakable beauty, or whether I was going to continue with the choice that I had made to be born. George, I had the first time in my life, I'd never read an esoteric book in my life. I knew that I had chosen to be born. I knew that I had chosen my mother. I had part of my life review was seeing myself being held by her, a very clear memory. So I thought it's a question of staying here now or returning to a choice I've already made. And I had a profound sense um, of bringing of the, the question I asked of myself finally was, would it be possible for me to bring this back there? And I had the realization that the soul incarnates as us precisely to have the experience of human form. I got that. Right. And so I said, the only way I can find out is to find out. And the presence to whom I was communicating said, permission granted. They gave you that option to come back. 
the option to come back did not send me back. Uh, many near-death experiences are you must go back, it's not your time, and people scream and well, you know, they, they don't want to. They don't want to leave. I found it beautiful, George. I was reconciled to being there. I knew this was where everything is. Um, everything is whole and free, and it's the source. I was closer to the source. Uh, by the way, the, the presence. This guide said, "What do you love about life?" So I did a part of my life review was to say, "Well, I love running that marathon. I love my friends. I love food and laughter." And it, the president said, are you done with that? that and I reviewed it, and I said, no, I want to travel. I want to speak. I want to teach. I want to learn. And then I, he said, then what will you choose? I repeat that. And I said, can I, I said, can I, I asked myself, can I, is there, what, could I, could I bring the, is this reality? Could I bring this back? Is this, and the, and the realization was the only way to know is to, is to find out. And when I said that, the presence, in effect, communicated telepathically, permission granted. And the next thing I knew, George, I was in my body, seeing through my two eyes, in a fairly calm part of the water, approaching my friends on a black shoal of rock. Were you coughing, and, gagging, or anything like that? Pretty, well, I had my body was kind of cut up from the rocks. Um, I, I was, they pulled me out and, and sat with me. And uh, they were so glad I was saved, and I was too. I was very disoriented. I was in shock. It is a trauma. Oh, it's traumatic. Oh, yeah, it is a trauma. I mean, there's almost no near-death experience that is not traumatic. These occasions in surgery, automobile accidents, if you survive that, the mind-body... The mind-body complex has, the nervous system has taken a huge blow. The other side of the trauma, though, is having seen a beatific vision of possibility that I did, I, I was able to bring back, but not immediately. The metaphor I want to give you, George, is like a near-death experience is like a giant information-rich file that you download on your computer uh, operating system, and it takes a long time for it to unpack, unzip. We all wait for those big files that we need to update our system so that it can become functional. Well, my near-death experience, and I'm talking decades ago, was this big file that has been downloading ever since, not only in terms of recovering and integrating and assimilating, but there was information that is still being given to me, not not specific information. People often say, well, how many angels are there? And tell me, no, no, I don't have um, information like God whispered in my ear. But I was witness to a sense of the process of creation and metaphysical teachings that, of course, you come back into this limited realm of dimensions in your body, and you don't, it's a kind of amnesia. So I've been in the process of overcoming my amnesia about this, not strictly speaking literally amnesia. I never lost memory of having gone through it, this experience, but the teachings were distant. And I also learned, as I said, it's just not wise uh, to talk about this uh, until I found a few friends. And by the way, then within three years, uh, Kenneth Ring, the great near-death researcher, uh, was in now in his 80s and so forth, he, we became friends. 
his books began to be published. I got the benefit of, uh, and so do many near-death uh, people who are listening tonight, have the benefit of enormous amount of research now that makes it clear this is a common mm-hmm. all, throughout human history. It is a common experience. It's not common for the person who goes through it. But uh, I really have a clear sense that the soul chooses the human realm precisely because it is a new opportunity for the unlimited soul to experience limitation. That, for the soul, is a learning opportunity. Just as for the body, it's a learning opportunity to get in touch with the soul. So the movement is between the terrestrial and the celestial realms back and forth. And that's what I'm writing about in this book. I call it Coming Ashore to a Larger Earth, George, because I returned to a larger earth. I believe the realm that I, I visited, that I, that I was in, that some would call heaven, is, the same, is, is, a, is a larger dimension of what is always here. The dead are close to us, George. Would you have been content, close. Keith, to, to have stayed if you had taken that decision? If I if 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 he if if you know he said that this this beautiful loving unconditional loving presence says what will you choose, and I realized it is my choice, and the choice is whether or not to continue the incarnation that I see. I'd already made a choice to incarnate, and I'd made many. We have all made. By the way, that's part of the complexity. Is this a one-time deal? As Christianity, Judaism, and Islam believe one 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 lifetime and or many, and, or many. Uh, 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 one, uh, you know a disembodied state in a spirit body forever or is it reincarnation i can't reconcile those two but i don't struggle with the two because i think in, at some level they are different games they're different forums for this for this there, I believe reincarnation or, uh, yes, reincarnation, multiple lives, is a reality. I had chosen this life, but I'm, I'm not an expert on this. Um, but I, I believe both, both stories are true. Something like heaven, I encountered relatives and friends. Some in physics might say, well, those are just holographic projections. I know the, all the various theories. Did they, did they try it. to get you to stay, or was there nothing there? You know, they, uh, they, walked me th- they walked me down a beautiful, unbelievably music, flowers. The light is bl- beautifully brilliant, but not blinding. And there was clearly a line. That there was a knowing, and when I say I, at this point, I is not separate from anything, but the sense of an awareness called I knew that crossing that line would be that no would have coming been back. That would have been it. And, uh, and my, that's when the presence, this guiding, loving, unconditionally loving presence, which is God or my soul or some form of my, my, my true guide, uh, moved close, just enveloped me and said, what will you choose? And I was never really given the invitation to stay. I thought that if I did stay, I'd have to be invited, and I would I would become part of infinity. But instead, I had this recognition that um, the and I have no regrets, George. I have no oh sure there are moments in life that are tough. I've had injuries, I've had pain, I've had disappointments, but I almost I can't think of a single moment I thought well I should have stayed there. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.